Hello everyone, it's Natalia Mota, your host of the Arta Podcast. It has been a while since my last episode and it's such a pleasure to be back after the long holidays. First, I would like to wish you all to follow your dreams in 2019 and never give up on anything what is important to you. And talking about following your dreams, my resolution for this year is to work very, very hard to develop Arta so it will become the platform to grasp visual art and give you access to ideas and inspirations. I really hope that stories behind art will make you discover new projects and make you create something on your own or just enjoy more what you can see around you. If you want to support the idea, please leave a comment on my website www.artaapp.com and let me know what do you think about the episode and what would you like to hear in the future. This is very important to me, so please leave a comment and I look forward to hearing from you. In this episode, we are going to explore life of very popular landscapist Francesco Lietti, who is widely known as the master of Hong Kong skyline. Before Christmas, I had the pleasure to chat with Francesco, who told me about his incredible journey from Italy to Hong Kong. Also, Francesco recently released his first book, Colors of Asia, and we talked how the project came together through collaborations. We'll also discover Francesco's inspiration, techniques, and what's next. So stay with us and hope you will enjoy the episode. I have this great pleasure to be here with Francesco Lietti. Thank you so much, Francesco, for your time. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. I was so delighted to prepare the interview um, for two reasons. First of all, because I really love your work. I really love your paintings and uh, also other um, other projects which you are working on and we'll talk later on about. And second, that. You had very, very interesting background and I would like to start from there. Uh, if you can tell us where are you originally from and where did you grow up? So originally I'm from Italy, the northern part of Italy, very close, close to Milan. So north of Milan, roughly half an hour north, there is a lake called Lake Como and I come from that area on the branch uh, Lecos branch, which is the other main town on the on the lake, uh, yeah. And uh, how was how was the life uh, in Italy when you were young? Like how you do, how do you remember your childhood? So it's uh, the area where I come from. It's quite nice in the summer and the winter because of course we have the lake, so I had the chance to do a few sailing courses when I was a kid. And I spend a lot of time skiing or mountaineering. We have a, my family has a little house in the mountain, in the mountains, which is just half an hour drive from Lake or forty-five minutes drive from Lake. And I remember when I was in high school, for example, my parents would pick me up at the exit of the high school, and within an hour I would be skiing. So basically, oh, I spend so nice. all the weekends between Christmas and Easter yeah. skiing. Um, as a kid and as a teenager, mm. yeah. So a lot of a lot of activities outdoors, mountains or lake. 
I actually read that Dave Murray described you as he never stands still. And as I was reading it and I was reading a bit about your past, indeed, you were traveling quite a lot and you explore different capitals. So if you can tell us a bit more about your travel and um, what drive you to travel so much and what you like to explore the most. So I had the chance to travel a little bit as a kid uh, with my parents on family trips. Uh, I remember going, for example, uh, to the US, renting cars and driving to all those amazing locations like the Monument Valley, the Grand Canyon. So I think something was instilled when I was very young. And when I grew a little bit and I had the chance to go off by myself, in those years, there was a package ticket that you could buy in Europe. Uh, it was called Interrail and you could basically travel everywhere, you know, with just a ticket. It was cheap. I don't know if yeah. you experienced I did. that. I did. Yeah, it's like the best ever thing. It was, yeah, it was the best. And I kind of had a core group of friends and my cousin. And basically, I used this ticket for five summers and basically I tried to touch every corner of Europe and, mm-hmm. I, and, and I and I love the I love trains I love the feeling that you could see the landscape in front of your eyes rather than flying and then you know you land and everything is different yeah. so you see the transition and I also like the fact that I could be in a capital one day and the next day in, in another capital next door. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of being in mm-hmm. Europe, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so um, when you decide to uh, study, you you move to Milan. Is that correct? I did. I studied during university in Milan. And what did you study? I studied architecture in the Politecnico di Milano. So after studying, I think maybe I wasn't ready to really, you know, get down to business (laughs) and start working. So I find a way to find a master degree Mm -hmm. that I did in London. And uh, when I went to London, I I like London very much. I prefer London than Milan, the vibe and, and, and everything. And immediately after my master, I found a job there. And they led me to stay for a few years in London, uh, working for different offices of architecture there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you like about, about architecture the most? I think it's the creative process to try to, you know, you have a brief and you have constraints mm-hmm. and you need to think very hard uh, about how to make all these constraints work for you uh, in produce something that's practical, useful, at the same time, ideally beautiful as well. So mm. it's it's a complex, I think it's a complex art architecture, maybe mm. the most complete in a way, because you have all these different elements coming together, aesthetics being just one yeah, of the, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. elements. Yeah. Actually, so you, you started to work as an architect and you moved to a big city, to London. Yeah. Um, how was the first few years there? Like, uh, not talking about work, talking about your, your personal life. How, okay. how you enjoyed it? Well, very different. The first years <laughs> were very different. The f- very first year was very much partying because I was staying in a hall of residence for the school and I met this group of Spanish and I felt... I was learning Spanish rather than English and we were, I just remember me playing guitar and partying until the late hours. 
The second year, when I was expecting more partying, it became totally different. So I started working, I moved to a shared house, and it wasn't so glamorous or mm. so happening like the first year. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then it became more normal, like I started living. Normally, I, I was living with many different people, which was an exciting thing about my London days and, and you know, working and try to experience the city. And in those years, I also started painting more consistently. So Mm -hmm. a a new element came into my life other than, you know, the city, Mm -hmm. uh, the city life, the the work as an Mm -hmm. architect, art, Mm -hmm. I think, came in as well. You actually mentioned, I think, in some interview that uh, you start to paint because your walls in the apartments, which you share, were not really Uh, amazing. (laughs) So you decide to develop something more pretty on them. Uh, So could you share this story with us? I think I had the connection with painting big surfaces that came from my army days. Mm-hmm. I spent one year in the south of Italy on a worship and I was working outdoors. So I was very tan all the time, basically. And I was always painting walls, floors, <laughs> toilets, everything, everything. So since then, I always like to paint with a roller, you know, big, big uh-huh, surfaces. Uh-huh. When I went to this house, I think it needed a little bit of freshen up to be done. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing with five or six people. And... Uh, I think I got the house, but I wanted to rent out the house to other people and being the guy in touch with the landlord. So I wanted mm-hmm. to make it more pretty. And I started painting all the bedrooms and all the toilets. And when I was done, I realized that there was a lot of furniture that was unnecessary, like many coffee tables. Mm-hmm. And I started without letting my lender know, destroying some of this <laughs> furniture and using the boards to paint on and putting them on the walls. And I remember every time the landlord came to collect the, the rent, he would look around and say, oh, Francesco, you're keeping this place very nice. Please continue. And he would give me some cash to buy some extra paint to do something else oh, that he wanted me to do. Such a nice thing. <laughs> It, it's it, it's very uh, unique because usually they are like, what did you do with my table? Like, oh, come on. It's like, no, like but no, no. Uh, yeah, it's like, I, th- I think that's the cool part about London as well, that people there are quite open-minded. Well, he never found out that I was, what I was doing to his furniture. So we oh, don't know if he oh, knew. Okay, okay. <laughs> he, thought, he thought he was just looking cleaner and less cluttered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, yeah, didn't, yeah. he didn't even, uh, you know. Thought about, thought okay. About. <laughs> oh, okay. So it he was, doesn't know. Oh, okay. Know. Oh, so funny. Uh, let's hope he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- then he will send you this letter. It's like, you're on me too. Cheers. Well, actually, as you, you, you are now, uh, really rising star in Hong Kong and everyone talk about your art and you are in so many fairs and and um, you are rewarded um, for, for what you do for the city as well. So I think you would be extremely happy that you use some furnitures for, for your art because you should be proud um, that you, you found a piece of chair to paint on. And um, talking actually about Hong Kong, um, so... How a boy from a, from Italy who it's who has this really cool job in London and love the 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 life there suddenly end up in Hong, in Hong Kong? Kong. Uh, I think there's the answer is in two parts. Um, 
When I was in London, I took my first trip to Asia with my cousin, uh, traveling a little bit in, um, in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, uh, Thailand. I took a little bit of time off work mm-hmm. and we went around for a month mm-hmm. and I really liked the vibe in Southeast Asia immediately. So I think when I went back to London, somewhere in my brain, something had been planted already. Mm-hmm. And as things progressed, uh, towards the end of my period in London, I started feeling a little bit, I don't want to say bored, sounds very, not a nice word towards a city that I have loved very much and has inspired me very, very much. But you know, I found myself doing less, experiencing less, and maybe I needed a change. And I had this very good friend of mine, a colleague, he was um, an Australian-born Chinese, who at some point decided to go back to Sydney, his original city. And one night he invited me for dinner and we had a few beers and we got excited about things and talking. And suddenly he told me that he wanted to go back to Sydney. And he said that he wanted to go overland. I'm not sure if I understood exactly what he meant at that time, but he invited me to go. And I think I jumped at the chance to have a change. So we very quickly, actually, if he thought about all the visas and everything, and very mm-hmm. quickly we left. And it's very interesting because they always have this say about, you know, if you say, if you stay seven years in London, you will never leave. <laughs> and this thing happened. We left six years, 11 months and two weeks uh, <laughs> since I originally arrived in London, something like that, like something wow. funny like that. So we started taking trains and buses from London. We went through Europe and uh, Eastern Europe and Russia and Russia is so huge, no? And we, we went through Crazy. by train. And so eventually I was back to my original love with trains and could see yeah. all Russian yeah. go yeah. in front of my eyes from the windows. It was the Trans-Siberian. It's called Trans-Siberian, Trans-Siberian. But the Trans-Siberian actually, people think it would be one train, but it's not. It's a combination uh, of tickets okay, okay. that you put together mm-hmm. and create this connection yeah. between Moscow and Beijing. Mm. So in, yeah. In that case, it was the Trans-Mongolian because we uh, went through Mongolia too and we wow. got to Beijing. Wow. Yeah. And we are, you know, I'm from Poland, so yes. we are always laughing about the train that you remember only the 10 minutes of the trip because the rest of the time you are drunk, obviously, because it's going through Russia. Which, which so. happened a few times, a few <laughs> times. But, you know, we remember more than 10 minutes because the only the Russian part took probably 25 days. So we were, we have, I have good memories and I have photos. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we got to Beijing and then the story goes that my friend, uh, we, we split for a second. He wanted to stay for a second, for a month. He wanted to stay in Beijing to do a course of Mandarin, mm-hmm. you know, being a Chinese born abroad. Mm-hmm. And I keep going a little bit with buses, more buses, and we would catch up again in, in um in Hong Kong to continue the trip. And the story goes that he had a teacher, Julia, of Mandarin, and I think they fell in love. So he got married and they stay, he worked as an architect in Beijing for six or seven years and now they have two beautiful kids. They just moved to Australia a few years ago. And I came here and the same way they fell in love with uh, a woman, I fell in love with the city. I guess, <laughs> and uh, eventually I I never went back. I found a job here 
and I never went to Sydney. I never went back to London, and I stayed here for uh, basically 13 years. It would be 13 years on the 26th of this month. Yeah, so a long time. So Hong Kong is your home? I think I can say that now it's my home, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great story. And um, when, when you first came to Hong Kong and, and you fell in love, um, what was your first step as an artist? How have you proceeded? In, in Hong Kong, it actually, this, the beginning was quite slow in a way because in London, you're right, I, I had started working and doing more things, fairs and uh, small shows, especially in gastro pubs and, and, and <laughs> pubs and restaurants. <laughs> and I was also, also collaborating with an um, artist run gallery for a few years near the river. Uh, so I was always painting. But when I came to Hong Kong, because everything was new, I kind of put that thing on the side for, for a little while. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a new city mm -hmm. to discover. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how long I was going to be here. I didn't want to collect canvases and paintings. So I didn't do anything mm -hmm. until a friend of mine, uh, maybe six months into my staying in Hong Kong, he commissioned me one piece. And I started painting and so everything came back and I realized that I needed that part. Mm -hmm. I needed that action. And um, so basically towards the end of the first year, I started working and, uh, and I, first I did things that were very similar to what I was doing in London. But one day I looked outside of my window and suddenly I realized, uh, you know, something had changed and the inspiration suddenly was different. What, what I had in front of my eyes was different. So suddenly my, paintings changed one day mm -hmm. from one day to the other. So could you tell us a bit more what, what was your style in London and how <laughs> it's changed to what it's yeah, now? Well, London, I was always doing cityscapes, but London was a little bit more mixed. You have a little bit of greenery and parks and you have little houses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love to put in all these characters that I saw. I was living in South London and suddenly I was exposed to all these Caribbean community that I'd never been in touch before and mm -hmm. I was really charmed by these guys mm -hmm. with huge air dudes and stuff mm -hmm. and I remember I never seen foxes in Italy but London is full of foxes South London is full of yeah. foxes there was an abandoned house near to where we were staying and there was a family of foxes mother and six or seven um, I don't know how to say puppies, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. taking the sun in, 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 in the garden every day. So I, I familiarized with these animals. And I had a, um, in Italy, I had a dog that I loved very much and I was missing very much. And it was a fox terror. Oh. And I always made this story about, you know, my fox terror, probably he never saw a fox in his life. So I, I thought, what would happen if, would, if he was here with me? Maybe these foxes would mock him they would hide behind trees and he wouldn't even know what, what is his original job mm -hmm, to go mm -hmm. and catch foxes mm -hmm. so i was putting all these little elements and characters in the paintings when i came to hong kong it became much more about uh, a lot of buildings a lot of density and the nature as well because what i think makes hong kong special is this combination of man-made and nature-made like it's so powerful and i don't think there are many cities in the world 
with this combination. Maybe Rio, I've never been there, unfortunately, uh, and, and maybe a couple of other places, but you know, big cities in such a crazy uh, location with mm. this topography, I, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I was very, very impressed and, and touched by this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is what I was trying to depict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And after the 13 years of being here, are you still impressed by by the view? Like, are you still uh, inspired by? I am. I am totally, totally. I any chance that I have to, you know, take a view at the harbor or or you know a little bit of hill in between two tall buildings is always very uh, a strong emotion for me. It always makes me think that it's, it's incredible. We are in such a big city, but in many big cities, you are in the middle of it and you don't know where you are. You, you don't have uh, things to let you understand. You know, mm -hmm. I always, I think for me, it's very important to find, feel myself in the space. In Hong Kong, I always have these visual uh, clues about where I am, where the hills are, where the sea is, and it's very strong. And in recent years, I, I, bought, a, I bought a model bike here that I use with some friends. We go around, we drive around, and that gives me the chance to see different views or angles mm -hmm, that I couldn't mm -hmm. as a as a normal person mm -hmm, walking mm -hmm. around. So that's another extra bonus for me in a way. And talking about your style, so this is what you mentioned now. So you love to use the landscape mm -hmm. uh, of Hong Kong and also other cities which yeah. you have visited. How would you describe your style and technique? Uh, to be honest, I, 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 don't, I don't have a definition, a real definition. What I always like to say is like urban, uh, up, kind of abstract, naive urban visions, mm. I call mm -hmm, them, mm -hmm. and, uh, or cityscapes and landscapes. I'm not sure if there is a specific definition. The, the, there is for sure an element of naivety, like I paint like maybe kids would paint in a way. The, the topic is obviously cityscapes, some landscapes. Uh, there is a degree of abstraction in some elements. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a huge lover of uh, Mark Rothko mm -hmm. and I treat parts of the sky like I think it would treat like a bigger piece. So in, in smaller patches, there is that approach. Mm -hmm. but of course, when you see the full piece, it's a CD or it's, it's not abstract. I always think that there is a little bit of the element and mm -hmm. maybe in the future it will become more abstract. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know, it's very, it's always very difficult to, you know, put a label or a definition, especially mm -hmm. on, on yourself and on your work. I, I maybe, yeah. maybe you help me on this one. I, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it may be hard, but actually this is what I, I love about artists and art itself. It's that it's always kind of evolving and changing and transforming and it's not staying in the same level all the time. Like you as an artist, you can have just different vision tomorrow and and uh, transform it to yeah. to some other dimension yeah. and and this is what is really cool about it. Yeah. So it's never boring. So I know that you are using a lot of techniques and what I also love about this is that you are putting a bit of collage mm -hmm. uh, to your paintings. So mm -hmm. could you tell us a bit more? Yeah, there's a lot of collage. The base the base of it is acrylic. Mm -hmm. I use acrylic because I work layering. 
you know, using different layers. So acrylic uh, dries very fast and mm-hmm. I can paint on it. That would work very differently than using oil that stays open for mm-hmm. a long time. That's a different way. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, over time I picked up a lot of techniques, especially from artists that I like. And I always thought how I could use something that they were doing into my work. So I, I, I picked up a lot of ideas. The main ideas was using collage. And I think collage is fantastic for me because it gives me, uh, the option to do many things. One thing is to build up layering, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes I collage and then I paint over the paper mm-hmm. and then I recollage. So it mm-hmm. builds up a lot of texture. The other way is that you can, like you were saying, you can use cutouts of words. So by using words, you can sneak in or put mm-hmm. ideas or buzz words or phrases or whatever you have in mind. And at the same time, I use them, uh, like, uh, if I want to do a piece that's about India, say, by using an Indian newspaper with their alphabet creates a stronger connection to the place that originally inspired the piece. So you put something that's about India, for example. Mm-hmm. In Hong Kong, I can use sentences that are about Hong Kong. At the same time, I can use, because if you look at the buildings, there's a lot of billboards and advertisement. Yeah. I can use the text and the cutouts to act like they were if there were advertisement on mm-hmm. the buildings. Mm-hmm. So I use it um, to create a similarity, a visual similarity to the city that I'm portraying. Mm-hmm. So there's many ways. Mm-hmm. There's many ways uh, that I that I that the collage can be used. Uh, other than the collage, I have different things that I do. Actually, I use, when I say mixed media, is really mixed media <laughs> because I would use everything. I use Chinese ink, I use markers, I use pens. I even use, maybe I shouldn't say, I use Tipex even. <laughs> Every, I think everything that, you know, uh, wax pastels, everything that can give you an effect, uh, it's usable. I mean, there's no limitation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and recently I'm using to finish, uh, sometimes I use a varnish, but recently I'm using an epoxy resin, mm-hmm. which I've learned from... I took the idea from an artist that I saw in a fair and then a friend of mine explained mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. me how to use it properly because it's not the simplest. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me a bit more about the technique? like what The, the resin? The resin, The epoxy. Yeah. So the epoxy basically is uh, like a very thick uh, lacquer that you put at the end. And normally it comes, at least the one that I use, it comes in two parts, which is the resin and the hardener or the catalyzer. You mm-hmm. need to mix them very thoroughly, especially in a weather like Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I made many mistakes, destroyed <laughs> many paintings, and finally I learned the lesson. Uh-huh. So you need to stir it and stir it until your arm is, uh, you know, <laughs> sore. And then you pour it, and then you need to spread it. And uh, it will create bubbles, air bubbles, so you need to... Um, burst them with a with a fire gun you need to be careful you need a technique because if you go too close you would burn a hole Mm -hmm. in the canvas or whatever and then eventually it will harden after eight hours leaving basically a three four mil um, lacquer and i like this very much because it's it enhances the colors you still see the texture under, but it gives this very contemporary, modern finish, glossy that I kind mm-hmm. of like. 
I don't know, I, I like it. I still do the other varnishing finish as well. Some people like it more, more classic, but I like this one very much. I have to say that personally, I, I love it too, because it's, it's, it's very eye-sketching. Would you tell us what you as an artist, what is the concept and your mission of, of the project? I think what, I, what I'm trying to do is, uh, you know, is to portray places, cities or landscapes that I, I love and uh, give me emotions or have great memory about. And I'm trying through the painting to convey the same emotions to a viewer. Uh, in the case of Hong Kong, of course, I love the energy, the vibrancy of the city. So what I'm trying to do is to make a painting, maybe in, in a way that's very childish and it's a little bit like a caricature of Hong Kong, but it will convey this energy, the density, the vibrancy. I want someone to look at it and feel like it's Hong Kong. It doesn't mm -hmm. need to be specific. It doesn't need to be uh, um, exact. But the energy they generate must be something that relates to the real place. For paintings uh, inspired by travels, then I like to, you know, have all these memories and also collect things during the travel, like bus tickets, newspapers. And then I like to put them together and arrange them together in a piece that will remind you if you've been there of India or another place. And if you haven't been, been there, maybe it will give you an idea of what that place could be, or maybe mm -hmm. it goes together with your idea of that place. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Different people have different, you know, reading into it. Mm -hmm. But I think I want to express and put together a combination of memories emotions and uh, feelings about the place or yeah yeah no, i think it's a great concept and it's really it's not only about the place but it's actually something from the place which 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 you can own uh, for for all your audience who, who are buying your paintings and and they can actually have a, a bit of india or a, a bit of uh Sri Lanka in, yeah. in their home. Well, it would happen. It would happen and maybe someone loved that place so much and, you know, yeah. a painting reminds them yes. of, of an adventure, their adventure. It yes. doesn't need to be my adventure, right? Yeah. And you were actually traveling a lot, which bring me to the next question. Mm. You, you were working for some time for this very special project. Mm -hmm. which it's finally done and it's uh, it's available here in Hong Kong. So it's your new book and this book covers a bit of your travel and your inspiration. And could you tell us the name of the book and also what what is the project about? So the book just came out. We launched it in uh, a month ago in, uh, in Hong Kong in Eslite. And it's, uh, it's called Colors of Asia, Paintings by mm -hmm. Francesco Lietti. And it's published by Goff Books, which uh, is a publisher out of San Francisco, California. And uh, it's a project that took quite a while. When, you know, when I started mm -hmm. <laughs> working on this project, I didn't realize that a book takes some time. And probably between from concept to end, it took probably three years. But it was a very exciting project. And uh, I wanted to put a little bit of the insight and what's behind the painting in the book. So I wanted to give a sense of, you know, ideas of my story as well as 
what's behind the inspiration of a painting. And uh, there's a chapter that I love very much, which is called, you were mentioning travels, and it's called Colors of Asia. And this contains 20 stories, 20 short stories. And I had to push myself very hard to write <laughs> 20 stories because I'm not a writer. And uh, these 20 stories, you have a little story in text as well as some travel photography that talk about an adventure had in a place and the piece or the pieces, the paintings that were generated and inspired by that adventure. Mm. So I always thought, you know, when I see art that I like, I always wonder what the artist was thinking, why he painted that. So I, I kind of put together the book that maybe I would like to read about an artist that I like and mm -hmm. appreciate. So mm -hmm. I wanted to give these 20 insights. The other thing that I should be mentioning is that uh, I've always been fascinated with collaborations in recent years. I've done a lot of collaboration with kids in schools. And this project is also a big collaborative project because uh, of course there is a lot of me and my work but there are maybe 20 contributors in this book so there's a lot of photographers people who wrote an essay or an article uh, other artists that I like and appreciate and they are friends of mine many architects obviously <laughs> so it's not a book that I could have done just by myself it kind of grew organically and became more and more multi-layered and probably more interesting otherwise it would have probably been just a catalog of my work mm -hmm. now it's a it's a more complex piece of of work that i've you know invite everyone to mm -hmm. take a look i cannot wait uh, to read it and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great project and well done. And I, I just see the book uh, right right next to me and it's so beautiful and colorful as your artist. So you. it's a bit of your beautiful uh, paintings and your story behind. And um, it's, it's really, really great, really well done. You mentioned that it's available in Hong Kong bookstores yes. um, I will also uh, make sure that the audience can find uh, the links where to get it it's also available online on Amazon you mentioned before yes. the interview yeah. and could you tell me so what is your biggest dream as as any artist what would you consider your ultimate goal for for the future I don't think I have an ultimate goal. Uh, the goal is to keep doing what I'm doing and keep doing exciting projects to keep me engaged and excited. So that's all, all I want. It's not like I, I have a big dream to... That's great. That means that you, you are already on this ultimate goal <laughs> of being happy in life and, and pursuing what, what you love to do. Um, so now I'm, I have a few questions which I always ask everyone. Yes. So do you have any art routine? A new project or a new a painting? New painting or it can be also, let's say, a new book, like something well, creative. Well, if, if it's like a new project, like a book, that would happen by chance <laughs> and be organic. Uh, yeah. You know, we were talking just before this that I'm having this idea for a potentially new uh, blog or podcast or book or whatever it will be mm -hmm. uh, connecting many 
uh, other artists that I know and love and, and appreciate and you know try to have every artist talking about an element of Hong Kong that inspires their work. I think mm-hmm. that would be a fantastic book or blog that I would love to read as well. Mm-hmm. So in that case, it's a project that came through conversation, maybe with a glass of wine that helped or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, if you talk about a routine approaching uh, a painting, I think that, the, 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 you know, the answer is in two, in two ways. Like the inspiration would have come from uh, me looking at the city, driving my motorbike or, mm-hmm. or, or me traveling somewhere and getting a scooter or doing whatever. So that, that has been done beforehand, that's the previous stage. When it comes to paint it, I probably already digested all these memories and experiences and then I just have to put it into, onto the canvas. So it's not like it's very glamorous or anything. I mm-hmm. normally paint in the morning, I approach it like a normal job. Like mm-hmm. I would have my breakfast and my coffee mm-hmm. and then I would set to paint and I would paint until lunchtime. So that would be something that I try to do every day. Yeah. Every now and then there's a more inspirational moment where I, I just want to do something and I would do it at night or in another mm-hmm. uh, moment. But generally it's like a routine. So mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. imagine the artist, uh, you know, with a bottle of wine going crazy. <laughs> no, why music. not? It could be, it could be, like, it, yeah, it could yeah, be yeah. the way. Could be, I'm sure some people do it that way and every uh-huh. night and then I also do that way. Generally, it could all, it's a job in the end of the day. So you mm-hmm. have to produce something and it's good to be consistent. I think that there was a quote that the guy, Charles Bukowski, the, the writer, said one time that I really thought, thought it was interesting because the guy said uh, you know everyone thinks he's a writer you know you should the guy was an alcoholic so let's not go there but the guy said you should drink two bottles of wine and write at least five thousand words per day every day and then you can call yourself a writer and i think okay leaving the two bottles of wine aside Mm -hmm. it's a good point because in the end of the day you still have to keep doing it to get yes. better and know what you're doing. Yeah. Talent is one thing, working and the working ethics is another thing. So I, I, I approach it that way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Whatever you do, uh, you really need to give 100% of, of yourself. It's not like in this, uh, you know, movies that, uh, yeah, that you can paint one painting per year and uh, be super famous artist and you don't need to do anything. It's so much work and so much things behind the scene which you need to do to, to be successful. Mm. Um, and also this what you said about uh, creating a blog and, and then maybe a book about um, about creating also the community in Hong Kong. It's so close to my heart as well. And uh, Arte is also all about uh, about that. It's to connect people, connect people who love art and want to explore it, um, with these experts as as you who uh, have such an interesting life and uh, story, and and hopefully it will also encourage people to try other ways because sometimes I guess people are falling in this paths of oh I need to go there because my sister mm-hmm. studying medicine yeah, and yeah. I need to go to medicine too and yeah. I need to have this job yeah. nine to six and uh, and this showing that that you can you can do whatever you want mm. if, if you will 
push and you will uh, work every day really hard. Um, and another question yes. it would be if you would have a chance to hang out with some super famous <laughs> artists dead or alive who would it be and why you know that's a tough one and i'm sure after this i will be thinking about this question i will come up with many names uh, i'll just say the first thing that comes to my mind because i, I recently read a couple of books from this guy is the, I don't know if he's still the bass player or ex-bass player of uh, the Guns N' Roses. So mm -hmm. the guy was very famous back in the 90s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, he had a crazy story because they became super famous and then the band fell apart and the stories with drugs and, and, and uh, you know, rock and roll. But uh, he, he, he learned a lot from that and then put everything in two books. One book, I think is called It's So Easy and the other book is called how to be a man. So it gives mm -hmm, uh, advices about how to behave in certain situations. <laughs> and I love the guy very much because he's very genuine. He's very strong. He has a very strong will. And he went through a crazy, um, uh, you know, life. And, and I heard the interviews and I really like him. So it would be nice to, to sit down and have a, a coffee with the guy for sure. But I'm mm -hmm. sure when after this I will think about another <laughs> football players or musicians or artists that I that I would love to uh, well, you know yeah meet. Well, that's the uh, first person in your mind, so I think that's that's the, uh, yeah. The name is called is I think it's called Duff McKagan. Duff McKagan. I will I will I will uh, need to do a more research yeah. about him then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the last the last question yeah. it's where your fans can find you online and offline. Uh, so can you tell us a bit more about your presence and uh, mm. yeah, where we can find you? So online, of course, there is my website, which is www.francescolietti.com. I have an Instagram page um, also called Francesco Lietti. Please follow me. I'm desperate for followers. <laughs> I have very few. And also Facebook page goes also Francesco Lietti. So it's all there. And, and there's a YouTube channel where I show mainly some of these collaborations that I did with schools, which I think it's funny. There are some interesting videos up there. So mm -hmm. also Francesco Lietti is the YouTube channel. Uh, offline, uh, you find me where? In Kozube, in Hong Kong, in, 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 driving around.